0: Well, the first is that comes to mind is I hear you say that Shelby is like, let's not mince words. They're, they're really big fucking failures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think, I think I lost, you know, half a million dollars. Yeah, yeah it business. Like, it's not like a, like a misstep.
1: Are you over 40? Do you feel like you're stuck? Maybe you've always had this knowing that you're meant to do more. Well, on the other side of fear is exhilaration. Your life has purpose. You were born to make an impact. Dear Midlife is about triumphing
2: over life's adversities together and empowering women over 40 to navigate
1: with strength and courage. All of the messiness of life. Hi, I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, full time single mother of two teenage girls, world traveler, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild haired
2: little girl living in a grown woman's body that's still full of spunk, charm, and sass with a sprinkle of some black girl magic. We are both a work in progress and together we are here to link arms with you as we make it our mission to be our best selves and share tips, tricks, and expert advice through no holds barred conversations for navigating the ups
1: and downs that come with living life in the middle. Today, we welcome Danessa Knapp to the show. Danessa is the CEO and founder of Avenue Aid Advisors, guiding the strategic direction of the firm and shifting the global conversation and leadership. She has coached hundreds of executives across every major industry and has developed a reputation as a candid, compassionate, and courageous leadership partner. She is the author of the best selling leadership book, Naked at Work A Leader's Guide to Fearless Authenticity. And she regularly addresses C-suite audiences on how to harness the power of real authenticity to drive measurable business results. Known for her unique ability to drive new levels of engagement and performance with key leaders, Danessa is a fresh, positive voice on leadership and executive team effectiveness. She has coached CEOs, boards, and C-suite teams on issues related to leadership effectiveness, succession planning... M&A integration, and conflict intervention. She likes to focus on supporting female executives, and she serves as a guide within the Chief Peer Network. Forbes Magazine says of her book, authenticity is a hot topic right now, but even so, answering this question can be tough. After all, once your authentic self is out of the bag, there's no going back. What if it backfires? It's this fear that makes us second guess whether we should drop the mask and be our true selves. So, without further ado, let's get naked with Danessa Knapp.
2: All right. Well, welcome everybody, and I'm so excited to introduce our next guest to you, Danessa Knapp, who is the CEO and founder of Avenue Eight Advisors, uh, where you can executive coaching and beyond, all of the things that you need to become that professional, outstanding woman and man. I'm sure in midlife danessa is also the best-selling author to the book naked at work which is a leader's guide for all of us i'm being authentic bringing your best self to work how to show up and really thrive in the space that you've been given as a leader so welcome danessa Thank Hi, Denessa. So
1: welcome i'm so excited to
0: be here hi ladies
2: Wonderful. It is good to have you. And I think the thing that I left out in the intro is that Janessa was a mentor and a leader for me at a really critical time in my career development. So I know the wisdom and the little sprinklings and sparkles that she can give to folks to be able to shift your thoughts and give you trinkets to take with you throughout your life that will really add meaning to who you are as a person and most notably a woman for all of us now in midlife so danessa glad you're here
0: i'm glad to be here
2: yeah yeah it's been a long time long time coming yeah well i'm ready let's roll what do you guys want to talk
0: about well i want to talk about it was very gendered of me my 13 year old (laughs) is constantly calling me on gendered language and i'm super unconscious about it how what would you like to talk about dear friends I love that. Thank you so much. Well, I
2: would love to just kind of go back in time and have you share for us a little bit about your journey and your path through your corporate life, the ups and downs of the foibles and the follies. And what has brought you to the space that you're at today, Danessa?
0: Um, Well, first of all, there were no foibles or follies. It was a perfect ascent. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And it was like straight path to a gold star. always. Like everyone. Um, And indeed, you know, that's what I thought hilariously until my life came crashing down around me in several different ways, new and entertaining ways. So I basically, until I was about 30, did exactly what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. So I remember vividly when I was, I must've been about 21 reading a book about finances and it was sort of how you should divide your money from your first job amongst your expenses. And I was also at the same time reading Cosmo or something, and it was telling me about a nightly skincare routine. <laughs> okay. And I remember thinking if I totaled up all the things I'm supposed to be doing, you know, washing my face, for X amount of minutes before I go to bed and then also checking in monthly on my finances and then also working out 30 minutes a day and then also getting vitamin D and then also this, that there weren't actually enough hours in the day. And I remember being sort of frustrated that the adults, some anonymous population had not gotten this straight. Like they clearly had, if you collaborate right? on their advice. <laughs> if the adults were in charge, they would have looked at the hours in a day, figured out what the recommendations were, and made it all fit. <laughs> that should have been my first clue that shit wasn't how I planned.
2: Right. And <laughs> adulting no, is not easy, honey. Right, right.
0: Right. No, I just merrily forged ahead and figured clearly this was a wrinkle. So I married my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. We had some babies. I had a corporate career. I paid attention to the rules and did what I was supposed to. And so soared because very few people show up at work early and pay attention and do what they're supposed to. Right. And so did all the things and then sort of got bored when I was about 30 and paused my corporate career, walked away and decided I was going to start my own business. And that was super exciting I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It supported women. It was called My Girlfriend's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And it was a make it yourself dinner store. I was having a great time. It had a big boom phase. It was on the front page of the style section of the Washington. Wow. I mean, you'd arrive. It was sexy. Fancy. Yeah. (laughs) It was fancy. And then I learned that when you put your house up for collateral for a bank loan. They come get your house mm-hmm. when you can't pay the loan. Oh god. Now, they didn't come get mine because I saw that coming, so I sold mine. But still, back in the dishes, the business had the boom phase and then it had the rapid to follow bust phase where this was sort of in the 2006-2008 things were not going well and the business tanked. Absolutely tanked. I mean, picture an airplane heading straight for the ground. Nose first. and it was shocking to me because I had no control over it. Wow. Yeah. And so it was the first moment in my life where I was like, "No, I, I don't think you understand. I would like to play the tape back. <laughs> yeah. I did all the things. I did everything right. 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 So if you check the tape, I did everything right. So this should not be happening
2: to me. Where are my points? I'd like my points now. Right.
0: Exactly. Now, the fact that I made it to 30, with this being my first major episode of this, is sort of comical. But that turned out to be just the first snowball. Then my marriage ended. Then I walked away from, I went back to my corporate career. That's where you and I met, Trinity. That was fun, but I was pretty uh, pretty fast and loose with my corporate career. At that point, I was like, I don't really like this at all. Because what that turned on in me was a huge gift, which was this idea of if I played it perfectly and the plane still nosedived, well, then I get to play this second part however I want. Let's go loose and wild. Wow. <laughs> right? So I don't know, I'm going to do whatever I want. And that has been this next chapter, which I have to say has been both terrifying and much better yes well i'm I'm excited that i got to meet that denessa
2: yeah not the rule follower
0: oh i'm still kind of a rule follower but i have to like remind myself exactly but by default i put my shopping cart back yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: I hope we all do that I just had a shopping cart crash into my car and it damaged the side corridor panel so badly I can't open my driver's side door so put your carts back thank you for your followers Yeah. yeah but I find it so interesting And what I hear you saying is that sometimes failure makes us fearless. And I think a lot of us women are afraid of failure, but it opens our minds to new experiences. So what were some of the things that you learned from, you know, that succession of what, what you might call failure? And some might call those just really missed a target lessons learned. I think there are different definitions of failure. So what'd you learn?
0: Well, the first is that comes to mind as I hear you say that Shelby is like, let's not mince words they're they're really big fucking failures <laughs> you know like i think i think I lost you know half a million dollars
1: yes, yeah, yeah, it in business.
0: like it's not like a like a misstep <laughs> 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 um i think my i have a, a kind of a wry financial advisor who informed me that if i had trouble getting dinner perhaps i could have flown to france every night and done better <laughs> than opening the business. <laughs> um, so, so there's that. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, yes.
0: but, there's a, but I say that um, partly in jest, but partly uh, because I think the language is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think when we mince language, we hide our story and we make people hide theirs. Mm. So one of the reasons I talk so openly about failure is I was face on the ground failure. Yeah. Like no recovery, no backup plan. Shit went wrong. Right. Mm. Full on wrong. And when I um, write about failure in my book, uh, I write about failure uh, and speak about failure a lot. I use really funny examples of failure um, and people ask me about them because I try to make them funny. So one of them I use is an example from when I was in high school where I forgot all the words to a song I was performing. And I am not a dancer, but I decided to entertain the crowd. I should hum and dance. (laughs) This impromptu dance did not entertain the crowd in the way that I thought. And it it was horrifying. And as you might imagine, right? (sighs) And so I use that example because it's funny and people can sort of touch and feel it. The example I don't use, but is the biggest failure in my life is the failure of the marriage Mm -hmm. to my children's father, Mm -hmm. right? Which I full-on contributed to. Not in any amoral or massive way, but in the not showing up in my best self way every day. Right? He did too, right? Or the many failures I've had when I've looked at, man, that poor first kid, right? Right? (laughs) <laughs> and tried out something and been like, oh, wait, no, nope, that's not the mom I want to be. Yeah. And right. So those failures are more painful. But I think when we use the word failure, it's important to own it. It's also important to realize it only is good in the retelling and with distance. Mm-hmm. So like you're never in the middle of a breakup being like, oh, this is going to be good for me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. Right. I, I can really good. see this contributing to my long-term development, right? right? You're like, this is going to balance me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody has
0: ever like, and it's the same with failure. People ask me after I speak and they'll be like, oh, how do you get to the place where you feel really good about it? Like, if it is a real failure, you never feel really good about it right? because you've been invested in it, right? So if you're really going for it and you're flat on your face, your face hurts. Absolutely. And so you just need a minute to be like, well, that was really awful and my face hurts and I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just going to take a minute and sort of inch out again. Yeah. And so that's, I think, how I want to think about failure when we talk about it is, yes, with some distance, you are glad you did not marry your high school boyfriend. That is good for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But your 16 year old self wasn't that glad. No. And so just remember in the moment when you fail, you're not supposed to feel great about it. Don't rob yourself of mm-hmm. the grief.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let
0: yourself sit there and feel sad. Future you will be happy about it, but that's that's her her privilege.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's that's sort of how I think about failure is yes, tons of gifts forged in steel. It has made me fearless. Mm-hmm. And there's it's the source of a lot of pain and richness and and um complexity in my life too
2: right but what i've seen in you in in those moments you know having been there for a couple of them is your unique ability to inch your way back out and um not everyone has that some allow that failure to keep them from progressing, to keep them in that space and becoming this, this is the age I will stop growing right now and never moving forward to either that next failure or that next success. What is it in you or, or what skills or, or competencies are you drawing on that's enabling you to inch back out? each and every time, which in my view has led you to even greater successes.
0: I think uh, I have a mother who is wildly action oriented. Hmm. So this woman vacuums around the Roomba, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) she is busy. (laughs) She's got some stuff happening. We're going to the beach together next week. And we're working on this old dilapidated beach house together. And I'm kind of hoping she brings a friend so that friend can entertain her during the day. And then that friend can rest while I'm, while I'm working during the day. And then I can take night. Right. 66, excuse me. 76 year old woman requires two adult women to like keep her busy. We need a handler. <laughs> yeah. And so I think I grew up around this sort of constant forward motion. Mm-hmm. And that has not always been a gift, right? So I, if there is um, a tension between being and doing, I have defaulted to worshiping at the altar of doing. Mm-hmm. So I work on the beauty of being. But... It is the doing that more often than not has saved me.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. And the, well, we could stay here forever, face down. But I get bored. Right. Mm. And so we're just gonna try something else. And and it feels small when it starts, right? You know, and but usually before you know it, I have some wacky (laughs) skeeting going. (laughs) Chickens. I need chickens everywhere. I do. I do. I have chickens going. I've got all kinds of things. But that is, I, I think, I think I have this idea of, you know, what if, what if this happened? And I think I was raised by um, people, my father too, but especially my mother who made the gap between what if and what is Small, that's great. What a Mm. gift! Yes,
2: what a gift. It was. It's a real gift. So, what would you? So, looking back and looking at the progression of events, what would you say are are, would be one of your greatest midlife successes that the series of events has led you to that you feel like I feel really good about this.
0: Well, so I feel really good about building my business for a couple of different reasons. And I'll I'll think about, I'll compare it to a win from an early life stage that you and probably your listeners can remember. You remember when you had your baby Mm -hmm. and you were in the hospital and you were like, I got this. Like, I don't even need the nurse. I got this baby thing down. <laughs> and then they released you and you went home and you were like, what is happening? Right. What do I do, do, I do with this thing? And I'm not qualified. Why are you saying this child? <laughs> How do you even know I'm any good at this? I just right. showed up. <laughs>
1: exactly. Where's the instruction manual? <laughs> exactly. And then like
0: a month later, it occurred to you like, this baby, maybe this is just me. So if it's just me, play along. Okay. I might be letting my freak flag fly show. <laughs> fly, but about a month later, I was like, this baby legit would have died. Like there's no way this baby could have survived this long. Right. Help me. Exactly. Like, now it's definitely me. <laughs> I am keeping this baby alive. 100%. Like day three home from the hospital. Like, He'd be dehydrated, but he, he could have made it. He could have <laughs> made it. I'm still here. Right. But day like 25, definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think about that sometimes with the business on, like, as I started the business, there were definitely like, hey, I've got some relationships. i am kind of making it, a, you know, some of it might be favors. And right. now I'm in a place where we've got lots of coaches out doing great work. We have lots of really great clients. We're embedded in businesses that are making change in the world. Mm. And people continue to call when they have interesting, powerful work. And that's not an accident. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm really proud of. And it's taking the nut of what I really liked in my corporate work. And that was leading people and blowing that up. So it's the big thing and disseminating that in a bunch of places. So that's one thing I'm really proud of midlife. I think, um, if I were to take something smaller though, and cause that's like an achievement, right? If I were to think about a behavior, because I think that's way harder. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think the behavior that I'm really practicing And man, it is hard, but I'm like seeing a little bit of daylight on it, is I'm trying to, when working with my children, and I am uh, married to the love of my life who brought three children into our marriage, so we have six children between us is far
1: too many children right <laughs> Hugh the brady bunch uh, theme song yeah. right <laughs> and they are three
0: boys three girls yeah. we each got three and we have so we've got two college students two high school students and two middle schoolers oh my goodness and um so what I am trying to do when working with my children, and actually stepchildren are much easier, I find, because stepchildren, you get to be like the fun aunt and be like, oh, I don't know, your dad and mom said, sorry, <laughs> like, <Right>. I'm <laughs> like, um, I, I stay firmly in the fun aunt space as a stepmom. Right. Because they have a mom and they have a dad who love them very much. But in my parenting space, I'm trying to give advice only when asked, and give advice from a place that serves their stated priorities. Mm. Wow. Man, it's a killer. I have this boy in my life that the universe handed to me for a reason. He is 20 and there is no kinder soul on this Mm. earth. He is a minister to people. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a religious way. I mean that in a He ministers people. They they come to him and he helps them. And so he is extroverted and loving and wonderful. And there is not an ambitious bone in this child's body. And so he never has any money. Hmm. He never has a plan. Wow. And just to mess with me, the universe made him brilliant. (laughs) So I'm like, Oh, Hey baby. Oh, we're not, we're not working. Okay. Great. We're not going to work. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> and gave him the universe gave him these gifts, right? So I can see and appreciate these gifts. Hmm. I can see and appreciate that his path does not have to be the one that I would choose for him. And in fact, if I chose this hyper ambitious path for him, it would denigrate his gifts. Hmm. Yes. It would make them useless. And so when he calls me and says, Hey mom, I'd like your advice. And I am so grateful that he does because he does. Wow. Four times a year, right? Four times a year. I get a call that's like, Hey mom, what do you think? You're like, Oh, thank God. I've been waiting. I have to say to myself, don't tell him what you actually think for you. Mm -hmm. Don't tell him what I had to take, you know, we've got, he's 20. So while he's An adult, his bank accounts are linked, his, you know, and so I had to take off. I can't see that he has $6 to his name.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I can't see that. It makes me insane. Mm -hmm. Why are you taking all your friends out to dinner when you have $6? (laughs) He's like, well, I had 30. We could go out, I could get pizza. It makes me break out in hives, but it is not his value structure, it's not his value system. He's not asking me for money. He's not relying on anyone else for money. He works steadily, right? And so that I think is the behavior in my midlife that I am trying to continue to practice and to practice with everyone. So to practice when my mom is working with estate stuff with her family or to practice with my friends is if you are asking me for advice, And obviously coaching is an advice that's entirely different, totally different personal sphere. But if you are asking me for advice, my first task is to think about what are your values and your priorities? And then how do I advise within that space?
2: I love that. And that's so powerful for me because I tend to own the problems, concerns, Life choices and consequences of those life choices for everybody in my circle. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not alone in this, and it can be not can't be, it is overwhelming and exhausting. And just that feels like such a piece of freedom. It
1: is. And you know, I find it super interesting as well, since you have. I mean, we've talked a great part about this podcast about the idea of failure. And so, and in, in specifically in the business realm, but what I hear almost is that you're trying to take that concept of allowing people to fail and find their own footing and find their own path into your personal life. And it sounds like it might be a little harder in that personal life when you have I'm those so really time. intimate right. relationships to let that person fail in their own I mean, right and respect.
0: This, this boy who I love, moved into what can only be described as a flop house. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think it might be condemned and paying an exorbitant amount of rent for it. And he graciously invited us on Parents Weekend to come see it. Oh. All of his other friends are meeting their parents out. So we're the only parents invited to the place. And then he invited us to a fraternity party I, oh god. And so I say yes with my husband smartly saying, "Why are you saying yes to this?" Mm-hmm. And I say because we were invited and this is his currency, right? He is with people. We have been invited and we are going to go. Now this is where my husband takes the lead on performing successfully in this space. Oh, is I get to this place, the smell of weed and booze nearly knocks me over when the door opens. At the house or the fraternity party? At the house. Oh, awesome. There are no handles on any of the drawers in the kitchen. There's not a single table in the house. This is a furnished apartment we're renting. Uh, there's mold everywhere. There's no railing on the stairs. The whole The whole way through, that's all I can think is, I worked my whole life to keep you out of a place like this. Yeah, here you are. And my husband turns to me and he says, "Get your face right, or we'll never be invited back." Mm. Mm. And I thought, "Yeah." And so he is the only thing my husband said, other than, "Looks great. Thanks for having us." Was how many people do you have out on this deck regularly, bud? <laughs> he said probably sixteen, and he said. <gasps> I'd go no more than 20, bud. Just no more than 20, unless maybe we should work on it. Feel like maybe we could work on it together. <laughs> oh, no. Cut nothing. And get your face right. We go to the fraternity party, and every child there is, hi, Mrs. Snap. so great to see you. Sebastian said you would be coming. I was offered two bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I am 46 years old. And I turned them down. And I had to say, this is the currency of their people. Yes, <laughs> Like that was very expensive for it them. It was. That, oh, that to me. Prize that I would want that. There's a whole emotional intelligence thing that is clearly still developing there. <laughs> but this is, you know, this is the seeing the world through other people. Like It's just a constant, it's constant work for me because I wanted to say, oh. are you kidding me? Let's go sign some other lease. Exactly. In fact, we had signed another lease of a very clean, lovely four bedroom, four bath place. And we had moved into this place with as one bedroom, one bathroom that I didn't even want to use. But all I said was, I'd like to see your grades before we re-up this lease. Mm. I was like, maybe we moved into the house with the parties and I want to make sure you can manage that before we continue to commit. And his grades are great. Wow. So fine. I wouldn't sleep there, but it's not. I've lived that life. Like, yeah, I've already done my college years. And guess what? I didn't sleep there. (laughs) Yeah, that was my choice. And he's and he's making his. But man, it is so much harder, Shelby. You're right. It's so much harder. But he is so happy, Mm. so happy. And by all measures, I mean, the kid's got a three five. He's working. He's not asking for money. You know he's covering his living expenses. I didn't pay for that mom exactly. <laughs> I see like, in front of me <laughs> like, he's not of age. he knows better, right like, yeah
2: Wow, um, that's a remarkable story. I love that
0: so much heart i I wanted to be like how how are you living here
2: <laughs> but that's and, and while it's a physical invitation right so so your husband reference if we want to be physically invited back into the home, fix your face. But I think we as moms can apply that invitation, you know, to so many things. If you want to be invited back to the next conversation or the next time my heart is broken, if you want to be invited into that with me, Mm -hmm. we all have those fix our face moments, right? And it's how we're handling these things that are uncomfortable for us, but it's important for us to realize how much the world has changed. It's not the same for these kids as it was for us.
0: And the structure for me is hard, right? So it's hard for me because I want to, so this came up around specifically smoking pot. So I haven't smoked pot. It's, uh, it is now decriminalized in our state. I'm, I'm in the state of Virginia and My son, before it was decriminalized, told me that he was smoking weed, and so I had this debate with myself on. So I'm not cool with it, right? I'm using air quotes for those of you listening. Um, And you know, part of me was raised during the Nancy Reagan era of. I'm pretty sure that puts us one step from crack cocaine, (laughs) which I know the data would say it does not. I I understand (laughs) the data. I also, though, want to not be in a place where he thinks that I am neutral or supportive Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. space, because as a role model to him, I've made the choice not to do that for a set of reasons that I'd like him to understand. Right. And so that was a really hard conversation around, hey, man, like that's a decision you're making. And, and ultimately, this is what I went with, which is, hey, man, that's a decision you're making. I was careful not to use words like disappointed. This is a really empathetic kid. And so those words, I think, would be trigger words for him. Right. And so I said, when I think about that for you, here are some things that caused me to pause. You had asthma as a kid. We did breathing treatments with you until you were eight. I don't like the idea of you inhaling something. That makes me pause. hmm I don't like the idea of you not being in full control of how you're thinking or feeling about something or self-medicating when you have tough feelings. So you had been talking about it around using it around a breakup. Right. And I'd rather you think about how to handle those tough feelings. And if you're going to use a substance, use it recreationally, as opposed to in a way that's self-medicating. Mm-hmm. And that said, I'm one voice in your life. And part of being an adult is to get to decide who are the voices that matter? Mm. How do you carry those with you? And how do you put down the ones that don't? And so you get to decide which voice I am on what topics, but I love you. And this is how I'm showing up in this space for it. But man, it would have been so much easier to be like, I don't approve of that stuff. That shit. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
1: like, exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's an interesting topic of conversation because it is a fine line as not only just a parent as as I'm sure a business owner, as a manager, as a leader, where you interject and where you choose to offer direct guidance, where you choose to honor their choices. I guess the question that's weighing on my mind is that you started this whole conversation by saying you are conscientiously making these choices to change this behavior. And I would love to know, Number one, what was the catalyst for you to choose to take this path? And it sounds like you're executing it beautifully, but what tips and tools do you have for those of us who are less elegant at um, embracing that behavior? You know, we were raised, you know, that era where like, do what I say, not what I do kind of thing. So how have you gotten here? I mean, that's something I would love to know as a parent to two teenage daughters.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know that I've gotten here. I don't know that it's a destination. (laughs) I think it's kind of a merry-go-round. Occasionally I pass this place. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So I think, I think I think about when I do my best parenting is when they are not in front of me needing something. Mm -hmm. So I joke that I am a better strategic parent than I am a tactical parent. Like when you are away and I can think about you in theory, I'm very good at it <laughs> when you are in front of me and I am annoyed or tired or we're both stretchy or, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't go as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think where I am at my best and where, where I'm at my best is where I feel radically, when I feel radically accepted, mm-hmm. even if my behavior is not being accepted. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I think there is a distinction around that. I think we, some, and we get that wrong as parents. Sometimes we think radical acceptance means accepting all the behaviors.
2: Mm. Right.
0: But I think if you really think about when you have felt radically accepted, it's not about the behavior you're exhibiting at all. It's about that person sees and understands you. Mm-hmm. And so that is what keeps me coming back to the conversation. And it honestly is coming back and coming back and coming back. I get this shit wrong 50% of the time. I just had a conversation with my second son who is a senior and he's been accepted to university. And I was having this conversation with him about money. So our agreement with our children is we will pay for 80% of a state university. Um, and when I say our, I mean their, their father and I, not their stepfather, not my husband and I. And if I can do more than that, I will but they can plan for 80% of a state university. Well, my oldest son has gone to a very inexpensive university. So we've covered 100% of his costs and we will cover a fifth year master's for him to teach. Nice. My second son has been accepted to a university that is more expensive. And so as he and I were talking about expenses, I said, look, I think we can cover four years, but I don't think we'll cover a fifth year master's. And this is as as he got every ambitious bone that his brother did not get. So this kid will go to law school, and he will go to medical school, and he will go to the other schools that haven't been invented yet. Like He will go to all the schools. <laughs> <laughs> if there are stickers, he will get them. Exactly. And so I wonder, if, where, I wonder where he gets that. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, I, from some, I
2: think. just. But are there stickers? Are there gold stickers? That's all I need to know. Right.
0: <laughs> and so I said, you know, what I want you to think about is you don't want to curtail your options based on your available funds. And so now in these broad expanses of time, when you have a job that pays you well, he's a Starbucks barista, it's a great company, you should load up on your hours. School is easy for you. You're a senior. Load up on your hours and fill your coffers so that when you have something you want to do, you're not limited by funds. And in my mind, I'm thinking when your brother was invited to spring break, he looked at his $7 and thought, nah, I can't go. No biggie. When you're invited to spring break, you're going to be very upset. You can't go to Ibiza, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like he wants to be in Spain
1: for spring break.
0: And so I know that, but I'm not articulating that. So he's silent and he says, well, I don't understand why you're saying that I'm going to have more expenses. I'm very careful with money. Why are you saying I'm not good with money? I'm trying to be good with money. And we got all off track. Anyone listening who is parents of teenagers knows this is at 10 o'clock at night. It's the only time they want to talk. Right. So I'm exhausted. He's just gearing up. I'm sort of losing the thread of the topic. He's narrowing in. (laughs) Right. And so I just went back to it the next day and I said, hey, we had an hour conversation where I think you walked away thinking that I somehow think you mismanaged your funds. And that somehow you're going to have a more expensive college experience than your brother because of that mismanagement of funds. I was like, I think you're great with your money. I think that when you are invited to extravagant things, you are going to want to say yes. I think your brother, A, doesn't get invited because that's not who he rolls with. And B, if he was invited, he'd be like, nah, and he'd be fine. You won't be fine. Yeah, you want to go to Spain. He was like, I do want to go to Spain. I was like, "Exactly. That's all I'm saying. I was like, so I don't, I'm not saying you're lazy for not working. I'm not making a judgment on you. I'm just saying you got hours now, fill it up. So I think the idea for me has been just keep going back at it. Think about, well, shit, that went wrong. That kid walked off thinking, but I don't care how that, you know, that he's going to mismanage his money and I think he has a terrible work ethic. That's not what I meant. Right. And so try it again. We'll see how it goes. Keep coming
1: back. Yeah, and I think it goes true. It holds true in the vein of how we started the conversation as well, which is we all fail at some point. And really what it's all about is is that once you fail, that doesn't mean that it's all over. You you get to pick yourself up and try again. And then if you fail again, you get to pick yourself up and try again. And, you know, eventually, hopefully you'll get it right. Hopefully you're learning from each one of these experiences. But, you know, we all get that second chance or third chance if we just take it. Yeah,
0: And I think having just having that conversation with them and showing that humanity. I had a conversation with my daughter the other day, and um, she said, "How are you this morning?" And I said, "You know, I am super grouchy." And I said, "And I have no reason, and I can't shake it." So I was like, "Fair warning, and steer clear of me." (laughs) (laughs) And she laughed, and she was like, "Been there." (laughs) I love it. And she did right. And so the next morning, she was like. Still grouchy. I was like, no, better. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it is for me too. I love it because so many of
2: these things just mirror what you wrote about and taught in your book Naked Work. Mm-hmm. And I see the crossover between your work life and your personal life and how you've taken these principles, and they're part of who you are. They just aren't things that you're teaching it's really who you are. And I, I love that this is the real you and you bring it to everything. Take just a, a minute or two. Tell us about the book.
0: Yeah. So the book is called Naked at Work. Uh, the subtitle is uh, A Leader's Guide to Fearless Authenticity. It does not mean that you have to be naked. Uh, it's, <laughs> it.
1: I really um, like coming to know. this Yeah,
0: you don't. It, does, it doesn't even have naked people in it. Dang it. <laughs> <Boring>. <laughs> just got an orange on the cover. I wrote it. Uh, in 2019. So I locked myself away in 2019. I didn't know that we had all decided we were going to do that in 2020. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Had right. I known that, I would have planned it maybe a little different. Right. <laughs> it launched 10 days after the pandemic hit the US, which you know made it one of the top eight reads of the coronavirus pandemic for fortunately. Okay. Of it. So Did maybe the timing that? was perfect. <laughs> yeah, didn't know that was a category for Forbes, rather. And it is really a step-by-step guide on how do you get through your own stuff as a leader so that you can connect with other people. So I think there's a ton of conversations happening about authenticity and I'll leave it at authenticity at its core is about connecting to other people to serve them more effectively. So authenticity is not about, you know, you somebody Sam, I am who I am, right? It's not about declaring yourself and making, forcing others to meet you where you are. It's about sharing of yourself so that other people might learn from who you are or feel safer, bringing more of themselves to the table. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from the now hundreds of executives that I've worked from is that if everybody felt entirely comfortable doing that, work would be a lot easier. Mm. But I was having almost the exact same conversation with many of my executives. And I thought executive coaching is a pretty expensive thing. And I was playing with sort of, so how would I get this to somebody who wasn't eligible for it? And the book was the right solution for that. So what I did was distilled what I do the, the big sort of blocks of what I do with clients and put that in a book so people can do it on their own so that you can work through that process. And to your point, Trinity, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. So I can be in line behind somebody buying a coffee and tell you how they lead,
2: Mm.
0: how we parent is how we lead is how we wait in line is how we talk to strangers Mm so integrating yourselves and noticing where you show up and where you're frustrated you can use any example you want and and make progress with it
1: wow wow that's so powerful
2: very well said thank you and for everyone out there listening i would say go get a copy of this book especially if you are a leader and you want to know how to show up in better ways so that your team Feel safer and stronger and ready to hit the ground running. Make it at work. Go get it. Yes.
1: And you know what? I'm going to say, I think these skills carry to every part of your life. I think it's just been, it really does give you really tactical approaches to how you show up, not just better at work, but how you show up better at life. And I really like that. Thank you so much for sharing that and your funny stories. I think it's really just makes it such an enjoyable read. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you for reading it. It's been
0: my total pleasure to be with the two of you this afternoon. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. We're so glad that you were able to join us. Thank you. Let's thank our guest today, Danessa Knapp, author of the leadership book, Naked at Work A Leader's Guide to Fearless Authenticity. We learned so much from Danessa. And here are just a few moments of wisdom that she shared with us. Number one, call failure what it is. Words are powerful. Owning your failure is owning your story. Two, it is the doing that pushes us to inch our way back out there after we have failed. Taking a small step gives us momentum. Three, give advice only when someone asks and from a place that serves the other person's stated priorities. Four, You get to decide whose voices matter in your life. Five, behavior change is not a destination. It's a merry-go-round in which you have to come back and come back again to the conversation and continue to try. And six, authenticity at its core is about connecting with other people to serve them more effectively. It's sharing of yourself so that others may learn from who you are or feel safer bringing more of themselves to the table. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for these words of wisdom and for sharing yourself with us today.